Let's pray, hey? Thanks, Marty. That was a great sharing time. Lord, your word tells us that um, you came and you died so that the world could be reconciled to you. And um, Lord, in that we can be reconciled to each other. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the evidence of your work this morning as people have shared their testimonies. And Lord, we thank you that your word um, continues to prove itself true. Well, maybe we should say, Lord, your word continues to prove himself true. Um, Lord, because your word, Jesus, you are the word. And that's why you are eternal. That's why you are true. That's why you keep speaking. That's why we can trust you. And so, Lord, we come to you, Jesus, today as the word. We come to you, Holy Spirit, today as our God, as our leader, as the one who reveals truth and the word to us. And we humble and submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name and ask that you would continue to enlighten us and grace us to obey that enlightenment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This message has been on my heart for a long time. When I preach, I try to preach, try to just say what God wants me to say. Um, and I just think this is a word in season. Um, anyway, when I was an apprentice, um, I remember going to this job. Well, it happened a few times. Um, I was an electrical apprentice, and you go on jobs, and if the tradesman, you know, if it was lunchtime, um, or if the job was a bit hard, sometimes the tradesman would say to the customer, oh, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. That can't be done. It's impossible. And I, and I was standing there as an apprentice and a Christian and someone who tried to maintain integrity going, of course we can do that. Why can't we do that? I don't understand why you said you can't do that. And I made a, um, a um, promise to myself that when I became a tradesman, I would never lie to anyone. That, that I would, um, if someone wanted a job done, I'd say something like, well, yes, I can do that. It will cost you a significant amount of money. But if you would like to have that done, this is what will happen. I remember one day, actually, this lovely old couple, and I went to their house um, in Stafford, in the, um, in the suburb of Stafford in, in Brisbane. It was a little low-set house, lovely old couple, and I went to put in a safety switch or an ELCB in the switchboard, and it was so old, I rang up the office and said, if I touch this switchboard, the house is going to burn down tomorrow. And they said, well, we've quoted to rewire the whole house, but it was expensive and so they're cautious. So they said, can we just do put, install a safety switch? I said, can I just go and talk to them? So I went and got this couple. I said, look at your switchboard. I went through the whole process. Now, I could have just put in a $150 safety switch, but they were very okay with me doing about a $2,500 in those days, 30 years ago, a $2,500 rewire on the house. And they would bring me, they were old school, right? So they would bring me morning tea. They'd offer me lunch. But see the power of truth. I've always been really passionate about truth. And that's why I love the word of God. And I think I want to bring a word of warning, I guess, as we go into 2022. That, and, the, and the word says this, you know, that in the last days there'll be an increase of knowledge. It doesn't say an increase of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. We have more information today 
that we know what to do with. And I think we need wisdom and discernment more than we've ever needed it before. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So my first point this morning, and there's some handouts on your seats if that's helpful, is that we can't believe everything we hear. Sometimes, from some people, you can't believe anything you hear. That was a revelation to me one time, because I can tend to be a bit over-responsible. And so I, I thought, well, in any conflict, I must be at least 10% responsible. I never, I never forget going into this pastoral visit where these people, they just wanted to leave our church. And so they smashed me with criticism for an hour. So much so, my boundaries are much better than this today. So, you know, if I come to visit you and you want to smash me with criticism, I'll probably just walk out, just so you know. But I didn't have those healthy boundaries in those days. And I actually felt, and I went for pastoral, I rang up my pastoral supervisor, can I come and see you soon? Um, because I couldn't get out of the lounge chair. I felt physically trapped there by their barrage of accusation. And as I went away, trying to decipher, you know, what's my part and what's their part? And I remember going into my supervisor's office and going, okay, and I drew it, you know, a bit probably arrogant and drew on his whiteboard because I've been going for a while. Go, what's my part and what's their part? You know, and I went in with such a burden. You know, when people, lies can burden your friends. They make, you, they make you stand like this. And I went into that and I shared and he said, I just, he just asked me one simple question. Were they acting like children and were you acting like a parent? Because we were both adults. So I wasn't actually responsible for their stuff. And when I walked out of that office, I walked like this. Because the truth will set you free and sometimes it's just the truth from another human being. So we need to discern, that's what I've called it this morning, finding the truth. Because truth was, you know what, um, in, the, in the New Testament, if you study the Greek, one of the words for truth is reality. There's an interesting point. I actually believe that truth is secure for mental health. That's just my own little wondering. But I believe the opposite of truth is severe mental health. And so we need to have connection because isolation causes mental health, I believe. But connection heals mental health, I believe. Because it brings us into truth. If I think, you know, Tim's got a problem with me. Well, I know Tim's got a problem with me. But it's not a big problem. <laughs> we have a very good relationship. We're just messing with him. But, but, like, when, you know, when you have those thoughts of like, oh, well, you know, the way Tracy looked at me today, I don't think she likes me. <laughs> and I can go home and I can resonate on that and I can meditate on that and I can go, oh no, me and Tracy have got such a bad relationship and next time I see Tracy, I avoid her because I don't know what to do. And I could have just gone up to Tracy and said, are we okay? <laughs> and she should have said yes. You know, she, and when she said yes, I would have been set free because it was the truth. Does that make sense? Stop believing lies. Just stop it. I love this saying. Someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. God's opinion of you is your business. That's why we go to the Word. 
Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They're everywhere, especially today. And they're in the church and sometimes they're on the platform and sometimes they're on the radio. And we need to know how to discern who's saying the truth and who's not. More, I believe, than ever before. I've not seen, and maybe I'm just ignorant, and I can be, so much heresy in the church. Everywhere. Yeah, a lot of people, more and more, is a growing heresy. People believe everyone's, there's a lot of Christians out there today believe that somehow, somewhere, everyone's going to end up in heaven. It's called universalism. You know, and it desecrates the cross of Christ. I just want to go on record saying I do still believe there's a hell and that's why Jesus came to earth, to save us from it. I still believe there's a devil. Okay, a real one who comes to seek, kill and destroy. I just want to go on record saying that. You know? You know, sometimes our compassion leads us into error. Sometimes, and I'm... You need to hear me this morning. Sometimes our compassion leads us. You know, how could God do? Well, it's none of your business, really. Because he's God. And the last time I checked, he didn't ask your opinion. (laughs) And he didn't ask mine. So you can jump up and down and march and put up a banner and do whatever you like. But when we stand before him, one day when we stand before him, so friends, you don't have to answer to me. And I actually, to some degree, don't have to answer to you. I know I need to be accountable. I've had some interesting accusations over the years <laughs> thrown at me. And yeah, in my spirit, I just go, I actually don't have to answer to you. But I do have to answer to him. Friends, you have to answer to God for what you believe. I have to, I have to answer to God for what I teach. But you have to answer to God for what you believe. And so when you stand before God one day and you say, well, I heard it on Rima, so it must be true. And I'm not saying Rima's, I love Rima, Rima's great. But you say, oh, well, this preacher said. And God will say, yeah, but what does my word say? Did you look at it for yourself? Did you study it for yourself or were you too lazy? Just want to listen to another podcast. I love, in the days when Dr. Phil was not like Jerry Springer, <laughs> I used to watch him quite religiously because he was half sensible. And his way, I'll never forget him saying this about his wife, right? He says, my wife, when she leaves the doctor with a prescription, will never just go home and take it. She will go and research the life out of that thing. Because you can on Google today, can't you? How many of us, and this, this was inherited from the, probably my parents' generation and particularly the generation before them, that doctors, pastors, and that's why the church got itself in such a mess in this country. Doctors, pastors, I think bank managers, were all kind of some authority that you didn't question. And in in my years in ministry, it's unbelievable how many people have actually said, have you got a second opinion? Oh, but that's my doctor. What if he's wrong? Why can't you get a... He's, he's not an authority on all things medical. Just like I'm not an authority on all things spiritual. I could be full of it. 
And you're accountable for working that out, not me. Well, I'm, I'm accountable for working out whether I'm full of it. But, you know, when other people are speaking, we've got to work out whether it's true or not. I'll never forget my gran, good lady, and she had asthma. And she had, oh, I, like, I don't know, always putting drops in her eyes. Anyway, the doctor prescribed these new drops to her this day. Anyway, the doctor never bothered to check whether she's allergic to them or not. And it actually resulted in a severe reaction with her asthma, these eye drops, and caused her to have a respiratory failure in her 80s. And as my mum rushed her to the hospital, if my mum hadn't resuscitated her on the door of the hospital and called out to the nurses, she would have died. Friends, this is how serious this is. And I'm not talking just about here and now, although it can shipwreck our lives, but eternity. Eternity. I don't know about you, but I want to spend eternity with the God of love, who is all hope, all joy, all wisdom, all... I actually want... You know, I don't mind hanging out with him here. It's pretty good. But for all eternity, it's where I want to be. Number two, there's a high price for believing what's not true. It's a high price. Matthew 7.15 says, They come to you, I love this, in sheep's clothing. Don't they ever? I love you. You read Proverbs? Be a student of Proverbs. Proverbs 31, one of the best verses in the Bible says, charm, for young men particularly, I think for all of us, charm is deceitful. When I come across super charming people these days, I just take a step back and watch from a distance. Charm is deceitful. It says about the Proverbs 31 woman, charm is deceitful and beauty fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord... That's what we've lost in the church today, the fear of the Lord. You know what the fear of the Lord is? Respecting that God's God and I'm not. And that he hasn't asked for my opinion. He does in some ways, I know that. But it's respecting him as God. And he can do what he likes because he doesn't do what he likes. He always functions according to his character. That's why he's always holy. That's why he's always righteous. Can God sin? Yes, but he never will. He'll always act according to his character. That's why we can trust him. Why can't you always trust me? Sandy said it the other day, I think, in a really encouraging testimony. But there's times when I'm not a safe person because I'm not God. Do I want to be a safe person? Yes, of course I do. Am I always a safe person? Of course I'm not. So you need to know when to come close to me and when to keep away from me. And as we're reconciling with our families, that's the kind of wisdom and discernment we need. We need to know, like Dale was saying, when we engage and when we don't engage. When we speak and when we don't speak. And we get that kind of wisdom from God. Anyway, the point is, there's a high price for believing in lies, it says, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. I'll never forget when we had trouble in a previous church. And I was praying, I was seeking God, I didn't know what to do. I was only young in the ministry, and I thought, God, I don't know what, I was really smashed by this. And I felt like God gave me this verse. Has God ever given you weird verses? Like, God. And he said, do not throw your pearls to swine. And I went, God, that's a bit harsh. Can't believe I'm more compassionate than God right now. I wasn't. I was just more deluded than God. (laughs) I went and read the rest of the verse. You know what it says? Or they will turn and tear you to pieces. 
You know what I'm sick of? This is just a confession. I'm sick of people taking all the lovey-dovey bits out of the Bible and preaching that and leaving the truth behind. There's two sides to the coin, friends. Jesus came full of grace. It's a place for grace? Absolutely. He came full of truth. And without truth, the grace is just license. In 1978, I was about eight. There you go. Not that hard to work out. 900 people died in what was known as Jonestown. A San Francisco-based religious group called the People's Temple, led by a guy called... And listen to this. Um, Jones was a white minister who preached unconventional socialist and progressive ideas to a predominantly African-American congregation called the People's Temple. At the height of its popularity during the 1970s, the temple had a membership estimated in the thousands. You know why we've got to be cautious, cautious of church? He's thinking that majority is a cool thing in politics, but it doesn't say that something's true. See, I think today often we think if enough people say it, it must be true. So a bunch of people thought that, what's his name? Jim Jones, I think. Must be right. Because there's thousands of people that say it. So it must be true. That's not evidence of truth, friends. Those people paid a high price. I mean, this guy was able to convince them to drink poison. They all died. They paid a high price for being undiscerning and not loving the truth. So here's another one for us today that I struggle with. Well, I don't struggle with this. Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else. Do <laughs> you want to repeat that after me? Salvation is found in no one else. So it's not fine. The Bible doesn't tell me that salvation is found in Allah. Or Buddha? You've become very unpopular saying that today. I don't care anymore. Lock me up. Friends, a day may come in this nation when we are locked up for saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one, it says, comes to the Father except through him. You know what? 20 years ago, I was saying, I hated those prayers. Sorry. That people used to pray. So, oh, God, we thank you. I used to... Grow up in the salvation army, hearing these prayers where people say, God, we thank you that we're in a country where we don't have to suffer persecution. And I thought, man, maybe if we did, the church would be a bit healthier. Maybe it'd be a bit more real. Maybe it'd be a bit more authentic. Because there's people in nations who are, you know, the fastest one of the fastest ground churches in the world is in China. And they've had persecution for years. One of the biggest problems with our faith journey is we're too comfortable. We're not persecuted enough. Just saying. I have no problem believing that there's only one way to God. Can I say this? I have to say it. Okay? And I'm not trying to offend. But on the homosexuality issue, can you please study the word of God for yourself? under the power of the Holy Spirit, and be very, very careful. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
William Booth said, in the, 27th, the greatest danger of the 20th century, and I'm just quoting this from memory, was heaven without hell. And he went on to say, you know, no belief in the devil. And I think, you know, I say Booth was an apostle and an evangelist. I think he's actually a prophet. Because how often do you hear people preaching about hell today? Yeah, you can in the Bible, just Google it, it's easier. Um, how many times Jesus talks about hell? Lots of times. But do you hear it preached about today? It's kind of, un- it's, it's not popular anymore. I don't really, you know, I know I'm a dag, but I haven't cared what's popular for a long time. Probably since I was about 16, 17. I don't care what's popular, but I do care about what's true. I do care about what's true. Eternity is too long for me to take the risk of being wrong. The price for me is too high. In this life and in the next, I've tried to live out Jesus. Oh, yeah, I've tried to live without Jesus, as some of you have. And I failed at study. I failed at relationships. I nearly failed at finding what I believe was my destiny. The price of believing and following lies for me is too high. So how do we know what's true? Um, we can discern the truth, is my last point. Matthew 7, 16 and 17 says, By your fruit you will know them. The first test, I'm just going to talk about three tests we can put people through. This is not on your notes, but you can write it in if you want. The verses will come up on the screen. The first test is the one that Jesus gives us here. You will know them by their fruit. That's why you can tell me what you like, but I'm watching you over a period of time. Sorry, that's just how I operate. I don't care what you say. I care what you do. Actually, I don't even care what I say. I care what I do. You know, you ever lied to yourself? We do it all the time. Oh, well, I, I've got this. I'll never forget when I was in a pre-vocational course. Where we did like a, all the different trades over about so many weeks. And this day we were doing bricklaying. We were having a week at bricklaying to see what bricklaying was like. And this little surfy dude that had this, you know, we were mixing concrete. And he was little. It's not his fault. It's just little. And we said, do you want a hand with that wheelbarrow of concrete? He said, no, I'm right. And the whole barrage went, okay, he's got it. He said he's got it. How many times we go, oh, God, I've got it. We lie to ourselves, don't we? So the first test, so all these tests you can apply to others, and we should, but we're going to apply them to ourselves as well just to check if we're lying to ourselves or not. Okay? So you know them by their fruit. One of the passages we can see what fruit is, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's unconditional love, that one. It's hard, isn't it? See, I think I'd nailed love, and man, unconditional love's hard. I actually think it's supernatural. It's what happened to Jess. You know, she heard her mum's voice, and the, the, the God of love brought love manifested love in her heart to move her from resentment to compassion. That is agape love. That is the fruit of love. That is the evidence of the genuine work of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know whether we're genuine or not. That's how we know. People say, I can't forgive. Of course you can't. Neither can I. It's supernatural. And unless we want to surrender ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to forgive anyone. 
But if we say, Lord, I want to forgive, help me to forgive, then by the power of the Spirit, supernaturally, it's time to stop giving God excuses and let him work fruit in our lives. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. That's interesting, isn't it? Nowhere in the world is there a law against those things. There might be a law about believing in Jesus some countries, but you still can practice those things. Not against the law. Interesting. So we look for fruit. Do you look for fruit in people's lives? I do. I look for fruit. Because it says to. Jesus said, by their fruit you will recognize them. People, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree bears good fruit. Can't help but it. An orange tree can't help but produce oranges. Unless it's sick. And a bad tree bears bad fruit. A thistle bush is always going to grow thistles. It's just the way it is. So let's not pretend. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, let's just give them another chance. <laughs> How many chances do you want to give some people? And I'm not saying write people off, right? I'm talking about put wise boundaries in place. So we, just like Jess said, we, we love them, compassion, forgive, pray and wait for God's guidance. And he might, wait, he might be waiting a, a little time before he tells you to re-engage. Because he's waiting. You know, follow, sometimes study this, the relationship between Judas, Jesus and Judas. Study that relationship. And you'll learn some really healthy boundaries about how to operate with some people who may be wolves. And we need to be wise about how much we engage with them. The second test, Jesus' words again found in Matthew 12, this time 34. See, this is not fluffy. Listen to this. He said to the religious guys, you know, these are leaders. These are the guys supposed to have it all together, made out that they had it all together. You brood of vipers! That'll get your popularity. Hey? That's why, that's why they hung him on the cross. That's why they hung You know why we're not persecuted more? Because we don't speak enough truth. We speak it in love, of course. Jesus didn't, you know, he wanted them all to repent and come to know him. He wept over Jerusalem. He loved them. But he also spoke the truth. I love this. I use this on myself all the time. It's so disappointing. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to yourself next time you're really angry. It's really distressing what comes out your mouth. Distresses me what comes out my mouth, friends. It says from the overflow of the heart. From the next time you're critical, just go, oh wow, what's in my heart? Next time you're cussing or cursing something, just go, what's in my heart? And I, it pulls me up and I go, Whoa, I didn't know that was in there. Hey? Let's not kid ourselves. I think the saddest thing is when we lie to ourselves. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that man will have to give an account. There you go. On the day of judgment for every careless word they say. That's why I've told you this before about every month I just say, Dear Jesus, forgive me for every careless word I say. Yes, it's an interesting verse in Proverbs that says, where there is many words, sin is not far absent. Don't talk too much. Because sometimes it just leads to sin. 
Sometimes when I, you hear me pray, I just try to stop praying. Because, you know, you're kind of in the flow of the Spirit and then you start just getting in your own words and it's like, oh, hang on, God left me about here. I'm still talking. <laughs> Be slow to speak and quick to listen. The third test is the effect of this teaching. Second Timothy 2, interesting here, talking about heretical teaching really. Keeping reminding, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarrelling about words. Well, that just about condemns every theologian I've ever met just about. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. You know, I had a very amazing young guy go through college with me who had so much potential to be an amazing Salvation Army officer. And within a year out of college, he quit. And there's other circumstances, okay, that I don't know, and blah, 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 none of my business. But what did this stress me, that in our theology class, this guy, as a fairly new Christian, his faith in prayer was just about decimated by the theology class. And I think it's right to share this, right? I gathered a little group of people outside the college building that year because I was so sick of hearing that teaching. And we prayed. And you know, the next year I had a different theology teacher who believed the word of God. Praise God. So important, friends, what we believe. So important what we believe. And we need to check it out for ourselves. Don't just believe someone because they've got a few letters after their name. doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. Sometimes they end up more lost after they've studied than when they started. doesn't mean anything. God's not going to ask them for their degree in theology when they get to heaven. Actually, that might work against them. I'm not against study, just saying. Just be discerning. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. You ever seen gangrene? I haven't up close I don't want to. Interesting, teaching spreads like gangrene. But then we have 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So good teaching results in righteous living. Dodgy teaching results in unrighteous living. Godless chatter. Blah, 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 blah. Clanging gongs and cymbals. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, I've heard some clanging gongs in my time. I've been one sometimes. That's sad, isn't it? Without love, you'd just be like a clanging gong. And a symbol. Bang, bang, bang. Everyone's sitting there going, shh. All right, let's finish because I know I've gone too long. All right. This is where I want to land. I've got some $20 notes today. Can you see them all right? Hey? And there's a point I want to make, right? You're right. Only one of them is genuine. And the point I want to finish with is this. Because um, we're, we're a world, I believe, that's addicted to options. I go to Coles. I like Coles Colonial because there's less options than Coles Bado Bay. Because when I want toothpaste, I just want toothpaste. I don't want a thousand options of toothpaste. They all work the same. All right? So it actually doesn't help me to have five other options here, does it? It doesn't help me to have Buddha and New Age and Allah and. You know, some other Tom, Dick and Harry's opinion. I only, this is the only one that's any use to me. 
So it wouldn't matter if I only had one other option. It doesn't matter if I have five other options. So stop looking for options. <laughs> stop looking for the perfect church. Stop looking for the answer in a person or a relationship or a career. It's not there. I am. There's only one. There's only one. I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the fruit of the Spirit only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Without him, we can't, get it. We can't work it up. We can't get it any other way. This morning, I want you to be very cautious of all the options out there. I don't care. You know, Jim Jones called himself a minister. 900 people died. You know, There's as many lies sometimes in the church as there is out in the world. Sometimes there's more lies in the church than in the world. Um, let's invite the band up. All I want to do, I'm aware of the time, but you know, you've got nowhere else to be, have you? Maybe you have. I don't. But anyway, I hope that's resonated. What I want you to do is allow the Holy Spirit to just bring wisdom. I believe actually wisdom is a fruit of the Spirit. Discernment is a fruit of the Spirit. And I believe we need it more than ever. So I don't care how you go about this. You can come and kneel at the front or you can ask for prayer or just pray in your seats or whatever. Um, but I've never been more hungry for wisdom and discernment in my life. And Gary's not here today, but I remember years ago he was a mentor of mine. And he said, oh, what, what do you want me to pray for you this year? And I said, wisdom. This is like 10 years ago. And he said, well, I prayed for that last year and you got it. I said, well, I don't have enough of it. Can you pray for wisdom again for me for this year? Friends, we need to keep praying for wisdom and discernment. Realize that we find it in God's word by his spirit. And then we ask him for the grace to obey what he's shown us, no matter how hard it is no matter how unpopular it is. Lord Jesus, we just ask, Lord, by your spirit today, Lord, you, you tell us that your word can discern, can cut between bone and marrow. That's pretty fine. So it's like this really sharp knife that can, when the world makes everything grey, your word, word can come and show us what's white and what's black. So Lord, bring the knife of your word by your spirit to our hearts today, to the grey areas, and bring white and cleanse us of the black so that we may stand on your word, that we may believe your word, and Lord, that we may live out your word as the children of light that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.